Welcome to the Clutch Burners Podcast. You're home for stick shift drag racing, stick shift tech, killer H pattern stuff, and these two good looking guys. Well, there's three on here, but really Rich Guido <laughs> over there. And Bill Bill Armstrong over there. Yes. And who do we have, Rich? Who do we have with us today? We got Chad Fidley, the first, uh, and will always be the first guy who runs sevens in a H pattern stick car in a Dragon Drive event. That's right. That's right. I super impressive and super uh glad to have you on here. As I was just saying, this is a very selfish time for Rich and I to just dive deep into your combination and figure out how we can even come close to catching up to you. I don't I care about anybody can... else. I just want to find out what to do. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I think the cool part is is all the fast stick car guys, you know, I mean Garrett pretty much said it recently. He converted his car to compete with the really fast guys and it can't do drag and drive events now. <clears throat> you know, Jonathan Atkins would tell you the same. I mean, there's no way he's driving his. So the combination of a seven second H pattern stick car and completing a thousand miles, that's a pretty rare combination. Like Garrett tried, what did he tell us? I can't remember. He ran like a dozen eight O's and he could oh, never run a seven second pass. So. I remember that day. I think he even went an eight Oh one. Yeah. Like again and again and again. And, and so, so that leads me, I guess, to the first main question, Chad, like <clears throat> when you look at what changes Garrett made to, to Leroy, clearly the solid rear axle and the four link setup was a huge change, but from a weight perspective, I mean, they ditched the entire cooling system. It's a dry block. So power is part of it. Chassis is another part of it, but so is weight. How critical are those three pieces? I mean, could you run, do you think you could go bottom sevens in your vet and do a dragon drive? Um, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I got <laughs> I got quite a bit of power left to give it, but then I get worried about is it going to survive? You know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I could probably go. I don't know, seven forties maybe. Uh, you're just making the hole deeper for me. That's all <laughs> and, you're doing. <laughs> I, but you know, I could go out and, and try to push it more and, and just run into issues of it breaking every pass. So it's that line of, you know, I just sent my clutch back and he says, it looks like you've been riding it pretty hard. And I said, well, I keep it loose because I don't want to break things, you know? So yeah. why don't we back, why don't we back up some more and like, uh, what's your business that you have? And, um, and then, uh, then we can roll into the car combination. And, cool. and what I'll is, be introduced. And what is the proper way to say your last name? Fegley. Okay, Fegley. Got Fegley, it. yep. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> owner of the shop, Inc. Man, I opened the shop in uh, 2001. Um, and then it's steadily just grown. Just opened it as a normal everyday repair shop with trying to do cool stuff on the side. And then have progressed it to now. And we probably do 85% performance stuff. And the rest is just everyday stuff. So... It's pretty cool. Uh, a couple chassis dinos. Um, there's seven say, of us. Did you say a couple? I got two. I got a dino jet and a Mustang dino. So is, is your middle name Baller? It's a Chad Baller. <laughs> no, I got a good deal on the dino jet. And so when I bought my Mustang dino was uh, the dino jets were like, everybody had one. No one understood that a Mustang dino read lower and I got so tired of explaining to people that it's just how the dyno reads, you know, it's just a number, don't matter. So I was able to buy the the dyno jet at a pretty reasonable price. So it was worth it just to have it. So if someone wants a dyno jet number, I'll throw it on the dyno jet and we'll see what it makes. So 
but I don't so really use it that often. It sits there more than anything. So, the, so have you done back to back with? I know Bill's probably going to ask the same question. So no. back to back two cars, and what's the difference? I, I have that's a hot topic, and it's crazy. You know, there's no rhyme or reason, at least from what I can see of of why they're different. But uh, like a Corvette, for instance, will make 900 on the Mustang Dyno, and then I'll put it on the Dyno Jet, and it'll make 990. But then I had a LSA um, uh, Galaxy that made 850 on the Mustang Dyno, put it on the Dyno Jet, and made like 880. You know, mm. so it, it doesn't jive consistently with every car of what the different. I've had to be 5%, I've had to be 25%. And I haven't zoned in on what's making it to be that different but so it's just it's some percentage of it's of soul crushing and disappointment is that what yes <laughs> okay. the, the mustang dino here we uh it's called the dream crusher just because everyone thinks you know <laughs> it's going to come in and make a bunch of a power and they leave and it doesn't but yeah nice. and th nice. those of us that actually are on the track to realize it's just a tuning tool it's all it is. A tuning tool. yeah it's That's still right. not the track even even though it's a tuning tool it's still not the track 100%. Yeah, you don't race yeah. dino slips. You race right, time right. slips or where it's at. So, yeah. <laughs> On the internet, the dino slips, you can race them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, mine made... It's always nice to say it makes this much yeah. power, but at the end of the day, like, it, the track is what matters. Yeah. I mean, mine made a little over 420 horse to the tires on the dyno. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> With a one in front. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe. maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, tell us. Tell us, tell us about the combination of the, the vet. What's it weigh? Um, do you want me to start with like where it was when I got it or where it's at now? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, all so, it. so it's kind of a cool story. Um, car came to me with 800 miles on it. The customer already had uh, gone <laughs> Brand into new the motor. Car. Brand new yeah, car. Yeah. Crazy. It already got into the motor and it was a 416 um, with a cam in it when it came to my shop. Came from another shop. Came here, he wanted Pro Charger and some E85. So we and it put, had 500 miles on it. Five or 800, yeah. Dude, yeah, that's crazy. Kudos to the owner, too. He just couldn't leave all enough alone. Right. <laughs> he, he, brand new. Like, he modded it brand new. So, so he brought it to us. We put a F1A uh, Pro Charger on it and then a Flex Fuel system on it. Made, God, I'm trying to remember, 770 to the tire or something. Wait, was that was that Mustang numbers or Dino? That was Mustang numbers. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that's before I owned the Dino Jet. Oh, okay. And uh, so he was happy with it. It was a good street car for him for a couple of years. Um, I got a call one day and he said, "Chad, I'm going to trade the vet in." And I'm like, "Like at the dealer?" And he said, "Yeah." And uh, so I asked him what they were going to give me. Told me I said, "Well, shit, I'll give you that for it." So wasn't really in a position to buy it at the time, but pulled some stuff, bought it, and then. Like the day that I bought it, I thought I was going to flip it. And then as soon as I sat in it, I'd always wanted to see six. I'm like, no, we're going to keep it. So Dude, doesn't it's gone it, through a couple. Doesn't it seem like, like, honestly, I think about this. Like if he was to trade that in at the dealer, somebody is going to die in that car. Because <laughs> most normal people, like they don't know how to drive a car with 700 plus horsepower. The oh yeah. Street. For like, sure. Yeah. It's a crazy. Machine. <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, any more <laughs> It's so easy to make a thousand or twelve hundred or thirteen hundred horse. It gets thrown around so much. People don't. They've lost the grasp of how much seven hundred is. You know, seven hundred wheel horsepower <clears throat> is crazy amount of power for a street car. You know what I mean? I, so I, I almost find that 
that that's about the number for a radial, like a, a, a legit radial, not like a race tire or anything, but like a real radial that you would drive on the street in the rain. Right. Yeah. Like seven is about, it's about it. You go much over yep. that and it's just blowing the tires off. It's legitimately not safe. Like it's and fun, breaking shit all the time, but it's not safe. And, yeah. and something about the back tires wear out like on a two to one, three to one ratio to the front tires. I don't ever understand <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> I'm about four years to one. Every four years I got to replace the front tires. And uh, yeah, it's just about every year I replace the back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I kind of cut you off, Chad. You were you were talking. Sorry. So uh, I kept F1A on it for a while. Uh, then it wasn't enough, so I upgraded to an F1X. And it was always and a stick, right? Always a stick. Still car? stick. Yep. Always a okay. stick. Um. So when I bought it from him, I think it had. I'm trying to remember. I think it was 800 miles or 1,200 miles when I bought it from him. I drove it around with the F1A for a while. Did some standing half mile stuff. A little bit of drag racing. It just wasn't real fast, to be honest with you. Um, so so for so perspective, because I've never done a half mile event. I have thought about it. So 770 horse to the rear makes I think, what kind of mile an I, hour and a half? I think the first time I did the standing half, I was around 830 to the tire. I did 177 <laughs> or 178 um, fighting traction. You know, it's a standing half mile on a freaking Nebraska road. Like it's just a two lane highway, dirty. I don't think I was able to floor it till third gear, but it was fun. Yeah. Um, scary as shit. Like there's, it's seriously like, like just trees and everything on the side. Oh, like anything oh, happens. Nice. It's, yeah. it's, I don't do it anymore. Cause it's scary, but it's a different kind of guardrail. <laughs> yes. It's, yeah. it's nuts. So, uh, put the F1X on, did coilovers. Um, just fought belt slip, like was always just fighting belt slip with the blower, like trying to make boost, which it made a ton. With my X1X, it made God, 38, 39 pounds of boost. Holy crap. <laughs> oh yeah, just nuts. Uh -huh. and, and the belt was, was slipping. That's really weird. And the belt was slipping, <laughs> yes. So the and one time I finally 80, got the belt 85. not to slip is when I broke my first motor because I still had the tune-up in it from when it was making like 30 pounds of boost. And I didn't realized it was going to make that much and made like 39 pounds and ended up, uh, had too much timing in it and split two cylinder walls, but that was still the stock LS three block, you know? And this was so that's a, when I upgraded E85, right? E85. Yep. So that's wow. when I upgraded to the LSX block, um, put better heads on it, six bolts so I could do what I needed to do, but I kept the same rotating assembly that was in the LS three. Cause I didn't have a whole bunch of money. It was a good, you know, good crank rods and pistons. So I just dumped all that into the 416. Tried to make that F1X work. I think the fastest I went in the 8 with that was like 620s, 630s. Still with my diaphragm clutch. Um, just fighting probably, back slip. It, it probably looked a lot like, but, but. <laughs> yeah, or it would spin. Like yeah. first gear I always thought was like, half a second long because i was always just shifting so fast um <laughs> i was breaking belts on the two-step just all kinds of stuff so i finally just took the pro charger off i'd been wanting to go turbo forever so i dove in put the turbo on it made all the stuff and uh it's the best thing i ever did this this sounds like a progression of, of someone else i know <laughs> yeah I, I i was the same chad i uh 
I actually went, I, the motor that's in the car, I went <laughs> NA, went like 1050s at Drag Week in 2013. Went through a bunch of other garbage with some other motors, then went Pro Charger uh, F1C, same thing. I would take the belt off because I because I drove it all the way from Canada, um, and it was pretty good. But it it uh, trying to think how fast I was going, like high nines, and then and then same thing. Once I went to the turbo, <clears throat> the streetability of the car, uh, everything got better. Fuel economy. I mean, it truly it made probably another five hundred horsepower, and got way more streetable and better fuel economy. It was stupid. It was like this is definitely the way to go. And for sure, um, you didn't have the old ladies on the corner covering their ears while you're <laughs> idling, and that pro charger is making that god awful whistling noise. And but yeah. Yeah. race valve open, and yeah, it's obnoxious. Well, what was what? What's an interesting thing? I, I always think this is interesting, Rich. Um, is talk about and the same boost level how much more power it made with the turbo versus the pro charger yeah we did that uh it's been a while same as chad it's like i, I gotta think about that but it was like i think we figured it out and it was like 200 horsepower or something to drive that blower to get the same um boost level like it yeah, was ridiculous sure. ridiculously inefficient i mean I think launching it was actually easier because it was so heavy and so much torque and I, you, it was very consistent that way. Uh, unlike a turbo car where you got to kind of dial it in every time, but I would never go back. Never. <laughs> no, so how, long is the, how long has the turbo been in yours then, Chad? Uh, this is the third season now. So I put the turbo in and like you said, like I put it on my dyno and made like 1200 wheel which is what the blower made but i made it at like 20 pounds or something the blower was at 38 you know like it was just wow. crazy like wow. just night and day difference um <laughs> but i also changed you know like when i went to the turbo i made the headers so they were different than what was on it so it's quite a bit of change but like you said night and day difference easier to control the power i can dial it in when i want it then i decided so then the next year over the winter I now had this turbo on the car and a combination that could make a bunch of power, but I had a rotating assembly that I didn't trust. So mm. that winter I did much better internals to where I feel like now I can just give it as much as I can give it and see what happens. And nice. when did you go to a faceplate transmission? Uh, I still had the blower on it when I did that. Oh, okay. um, I thought I broke my, my stock tranny because I was just having issues getting into gear and I was fighting it. And so I just ordered the faceplated tranny. They were, I think uh, it was, it was when they had some issues with their tooling and they were down for like months. So I waited like six months for the tranny. So I was just trying to make my broken that I thought tranny work and ended up being like the shift shaft or something was, it was just, it, the tranny was fine, but I talked to Garrett about the faceplate of training. He's like, Chad, do it. It's like the best thing you'll ever do for your car. Yeah. And he was right, of course. You know, like it was night and day difference on how it worked. You know, before we go by this, because I, I think it's an important uh, point for our listeners, <clears throat> is I don't know if there was a bunch of bad batches of roll pins, but uh, the two roll pins that hold the knuckle in that control your shifter to the transmission 
Um, I've, my brother's has popped right out before. So he's in sixth gear, goes to shift it out of six off the highway and he's got no more gears. And, um, but I've had it in drag week. The last time I ran a stock T56 at drag week, the, the, the uh, roll pin had worked its way. So it was like half in and half out. And so same thing, I was missing gears and, uh, thought the transmission needed yeah. synchros, but it was mine came out. Mine came out on the drive once. Um, yeah. It was last year or the year before, but fortunately I can take my the top of my tunnel off and it was a super quick fix. But yeah, they. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, Rich, because there are two different styles. There's, if you can see my incredible diagram, there's the <laughs> C, there's the, this is my handogram. Um, <clears throat> there's a style of roll pin that's like a C. And there's one that's a coiled piece of spring steel. And the coiled spring steel is the one that you want. Um, and I actually, I, I gave Rich a bag of those. I ordered yeah. some and sent them to him. I think um, I have like 50, so hit me up. It's a bag <laughs> of 50, yeah. Got plenty. <laughs> um, but yeah, if if you're ever going through the transmission or anything, um, it is worthwhile changing those. They're inexpensive. And it's just good peace of mind. Because if you don't have a car where you can take the top of the, the floor off, you got to drop the transmission to do that. And that's what we had to do on my brother's car. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, and so the training my car is no fun to work on. So, yeah. So do you still, are yours still traditional Corvette uh, position? Yep. I will never change it. It's if it's going to be a Corvette, it's going to be the way it is. Oh, wow. Oh. Okay. Okay. So you're still independent rear end. Yep. Yep. Oh, impressive. Mm. Impressive. Very impressive. Yeah, I've seen Garrett change his when he doesn't have a body on it and how much work yeah. you know, doing the clutch or something is. So and, I can't and now that I did my chassis and put the 25-2 in it, it's even worse because the number one bar has to go across the car, right? So you used to be able to drop all that straight down. Well, I got bars there now. So the torque tube like has to stay in the car, and then you have to pull the diff off, then the tranny out, then the torque tube out. Oh. It's It's a mess. Man, I did myself zero favors when I did that. <laughs> <laughs> and wow. so, when did you when did you go with a uh, an adjustable clutch, and which um, one? Black Magic, and I, it's been a couple years. Like I said, I I was still. I think I did that the same time I put the turbo on. Okay, and uh, <clears throat> it's been another game changer for sure. Oh yeah, totally. And so the first time you put that clutch in and went out and made passes with the turbo, how fast were you going? Um, you know, I don't get a lot of time to race, right? Like I'm always working and I built the car exclusively for race week. Like this is what I want to do race week. And I'm always, I, I try to be prepared, but it always seems like I'm working on the car up to like <laughs> a week before race week. Right. So I don't think I'm trying to think back now. I don't think I had many runs on it, if at all, before. Because back when I was diaphragm clutch, I was just on big slicks. Um, but part. I knew on race week, I wanted to have radials on it. Yeah. Mm. So we put radials on it, uh, went to the track, and just tried to dial in the launch at the track with the radials with the slipper clutch. And I want to say that was the first time I had the whole combo in. And... uh I knew I'd be okay because if I can hook at my home track, I can hook anywhere. So we made it hook at the home track and that's where we're at. So did you adjust, you talked about dialing that clutch in. So was it a matter of 
adjusting base pressure and counterweight or did you really just kind of have a setting and just change launch rpm to work with that? um yeah i haven't really changed the clutch much um i've never changed the clutch <laughs> during a race i'll i always think about it forever change it like before i do the race and then we'll race the whole deal i'll change launch rpm or whatever and then always look at the data when i get home wow look it over good to see if i need to change it much but wow so you don't change street to strip Nope. Nope. The same, the same clutch setup that I race with is what I drive with. Wow. And, and how heavy is your and, car now? Um, 33, I think you said, or something like that. Yeah. 33. 33. When I weighed it, when I weighed it in Tulsa, it had me at like 3450, but on my scales here, it was 3320 or something. That's you have Mustang scales. Yeah. <laughs> Not dino I got really old like pro comp scales that <laughs> hopefully they're right but okay nice <clears throat> interesting that's, uh, that's pretty amazing um for a couple of reasons part of the reason that bill built the bank ship billy is because he didn't want to be adjusting his clutch so we won't talk too much the fact that you didn't adjust yours for the whole uh <laughs> the whole event but i for me i have to tighten mine up on the street um, you know, the combination of 4,000 pounds towing a trailer and then uh, trying to launch without breaking stuff at the track. I mean, I take pretty much all my base pressure out and leave the counterweight on. So it, mine slips pretty hard too. In fact, I just got my clutch back from KL too. So <laughs> I just sent mine off. So oh, yeah. <clears throat> and when I'm driving, I can, like, if I'm in fifth or sixth gear going pretty slow, like I can slip the clutch cruising. I have to be careful. Otherwise, it just drives. It's good. I dyno it on the same clutch settings. Just make sure wow. I start with the RPM high enough and yep. let her go. And so, so let's see. So we kind of jumped around on our questions, but <laughs> so I, I'm super. God, well let's let's wait because we want to talk about your whole procedure and RPM. So let's hold off on that. But tell us what it was like doing race week with your dad. And, and Rich has done that as well. Uh, but you did it was, too. So. It was super, super awesome. I don't get to see him very often. So to be able to spend a week with him um, was definitely something that I'll remember forever. And did awesome. he, was he a car guy growing when you were growing up too? Yeah, yeah, he was. He wasn't into like super fast, go fast stuff. Like I remember he used to take like 280Zs and he would custom make uh, fiberglass body kits on them and then paint them. He was, a, he was a body guy. So he would do body kits, paint them, sell them, do the next one. Uh so, I mean, I've been around cars forever, but not really to go fast. You know, it's funny um, when when uh, you're at a party or something and people are like, oh, I'm not a car guy. I look at them. I'm like, well, what did you walk here today? <laughs> Everybody's a car guy. They're just somewhere a little more on the one scale side than the other. But uh, a little yeah, bit more in depth. Yeah, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and it looked like he was having a good time. I mean, and that's the first time he's been on one with you. Yep. Yep. And how many have you done? Um, I finished two. The first year, I broke the first run first day. Oh, really? What'd you break? Yeah, I broke, I broke the rear end. Oh. And which event was that? That was the Rocky Mountain Race Week 2.0, the first 2.0. Oh, okay. So you've done so three. That would have been 2020? Yeah, so you've done three race weeks, is that right? Three race weeks, yeah. Cause I remember the second one, like you were neck and neck with Garrett that last day. And yeah. I didn't, 
I think Rich probably knew who you were, but he's like, you got to go talk to that guy. I'm like, who is that? And he's like, oh, he's in the, he's the one in second place. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. I better go talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that was, that was pretty sweet. Um, So yes. dragon drives in general, you've done three race weeks. Have you done any drag weeks or sick weeks or anything? Nope. Nope. Signed up for sick week this year. Um, Other than that, that's it. Cool. Coming to Just get local drag racing stuff at my track here. <laughs> You're coming to get coming to get an orange helmet. Yeah, <laughs> I just want to come for the warmth. Yeah, oh, where, it's a good time. You know, where are you at? Time. Yeah, where are you at, Chad? Nebraska. Nebraska. Oh yeah, yeah. It gets a little cold there in the winter. So yeah, I'm not looking forward to the drive there. I know you guys are badasses and drive, but I hate driving. So the the trailering to to Florida is I'm not looking forward to that, but I'm looking forward to the weather. So nice. Nice. Yeah, hopefully we don't get the same storm blowing us across the country that we had last time. But I, I stayed ahead, ahead of it the whole time. But there was some people that didn't even bother going because they were a day later than me, and it was a wicked winter storm. So it was there was quite a few people who didn't end up even coming, and I just I was like surfing the wave ahead of the <laughs> all across <laughs> the country. Literally, it was yeah, it was it was awesome. Yeah, you'll have a good time, but uh, I don't think I'm going to be able to keep up. I don't have to figure out what to do there, but I need uh, like fiberglass front end, uh, different cage, uh, <laughs> weather balloon but, in the trunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. So what else have we talked about? Wait, so suspension still stock? I didn't. I uh, I wasn't sure about that. That's pretty cool. Don't. Yeah. 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 I got coilovers on it, but other than that, it's uh still stock configuration. So what gear us, ratio are you running in the back? Yeah. Stock gear ratio still 342. Wow. And then um, so talk to talk to us about your um your process, burnout, launch, RPM, kind of how you select all that, like your launch RPM. Cause I know with the silver clutch like Rich has, that's super important because the higher the RPM, the more the counterweight comes into effect and the clutch hits harder and all that. So talk about that, educate. Educate um, those of us not running a slipper clutch. I don't know how much I can educate. Like I just uh, figure it out as I go. You know, like I have a set uh, launch duty that I try to hit for boost. And I noticed on race week this year, um, I was really bad at maintaining that. Um, I didn't sit on the two-step long enough, get the boost good enough. So then it would launch at low boost, which wouldn't hit the tire hard enough. And then it would spin. Um, normally, like... I changed it around, but I want to say 4,200 RPM was where I had the two steps set at. Try to leave at like eight pounds of boost. Um, and then I was ramping in boost as fast as I could. Like off, as soon as I'd let off the clutch, I was trying to ramp it in. Um, and I just fought that all week, but so like otherwise how much, I, so on your ramp, like when you're saying you're ramping in as quick as you can, like how much boost would you see in first gear? Um, 16. Okay. And then by the time I hit second, I'd be at 23, 24. And shifting at what RPM? Uh, 75. Okay. I played with that a little bit too. So this was the first time on race week that I was using the, the rev limiter to help shift. So I kept having mm -hmm. to adjust my, my high and low window. Mm -hmm. So I kept turning the RPM up for my shift so I wouldn't fall below the bottom. 
it took right. some trial and error. I'm still, yeah. I still need to, to get it good. The, my seven second run was really the second run where I was able to get all the gears on the limiter to shift. Right. I've up till that point, I couldn't get the one, two shift down. So I just kept playing with it. And so you're running. Clutch. Oh, sorry. So you would clutch, that? you would, you would just clutch it quick when you yeah. uh, wouldn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And are you running a Holly uh, EFI? I am. Yeah. This year, so, first year on the dominator. So then are you doing Are you doing boost by time or boost by gear or what's your uh, boost by there? time? Okay. Yeah. Um, I do the same. Um, and I've had some issues on the two, three shift doing it clutchless. And when I kick the clutch, it starts the whole boost by time thing over. Oh, so, right. So I don't, you know, where I should be making like maybe 20 pounds it starts off really like I launched the car again and right. That's a, it gets down the track, but I'm looking, I'm like, God, why does that data log look so weird? I'm like, Oh yeah, I had to kick the clutch. <laughs> so, and I'm going to try to in Florida be a little bit more aggressive with the clutch. Cause I'm going to try, it seemed like no matter what I did, like 130, 60 foot was like where I was at. I feel like that was the clutch holding me back versus the tire or, or power just because I had it soft. Cause I wanted to make sure I could go down. Right. So I want to try to get a little bit more aggressive with that and try to get that lower and get my uh, short time better. So how long in first gear, or maybe it's all at first gear, is your clutch slipping? Um, have you looked at the time? Yeah. So I have to judge it just based off what my RPM does because I don't have an input speed sensor. Yeah, me either. On a Corvette, yeah. it's hard with the torque tube. I'm going to do that this year. So I don't have a for sure to know what the clutch is doing. But just based off what the RPM looks like, um, I'd say midway through first. Oh yeah, so like, like a second points, point, yeah, point six, point seven into the run. Does that sound uh, right? Yeah, maybe a little bit longer. Oh yeah, because I think Rich, when we've looked at your data logs, um, it's about one second, isn't it? No, point about point seven. <clears throat> okay, but it depends. Like, uh, uh, so I have two clutches. I have the same one as Jonathan went six sixty one in. I like to say that it just makes me feel. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait uh, that would be the same clutch Garrett just went 631 in. No, he's got the billet version. Uh, the, oh. When Jonathan went 661, he did it with a stamp steel one, which Woo. is insane. And I'm sure Rob Youngbutt is like, don't do that with that. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> And I think it slipped for the whole pass. Like it was, um, but it's, a, it's, it's pretty interesting if you look at both the trends for the next gen compared to the twin eight inch. Um, the, the twin eight inch, it actually launches and spikes a little bit. And then I would say it converters for a while where it'll sit at like 5,600 and only climb to about 5,700. Um, and it'll do that for 0.4 of a second where, and it, the first couple of times I was confused. <laughs> I'm like, what's, what's going on? The car is pulling super hard, but the RPM isn't changing. And when I broke my transmission in Noble, I uh, I actually shifted it too early because I was, I don't know, my brain was saying the RPM should be going up, something's going on, and um, but but my next gen it actually kind of rises and slipping and then eventually locks up at half and then accelerates quickly. That's what. So I'm gonna see when I'm in Florida too with the radials if I can hit it harder and get it to do the same thing because my sixty foots were coming down pretty good with the twin eight inch. Yeah. But, yeah, big time. Like that one that you broke, Rich, I think you 
we kind of figured you would have been in the one threes because you did think, a one one forty one and it broke like forty feet point, out, right? Yeah, one point two nine into the run, it broke and coasted to a one forty one sixty foot. So wow, it's always the best sixty foot that things don't go well, right, Chad? <laughs> like every yeah. time, it's like, oh, if I could have ran it out, it would have been a yeah. So so talk a little bit about the chassis. And again, just being selfish because can I can I back him up before yeah, we go off? The yeah, clutch? yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, clutch pedal switch. So where do you release your rev limiter? So the 2010 Corvette uses a clutch position sensor, so zero okay. to five volt. Mm -hmm. And I had to make that work. So Lingenfelder made a box back before I had the Holly on it. Lingenfelder made a box that would take that zero to five volt signal, turn it into an on-off signal, and it was adjustable. You could adjust where that point was at. Mm. So I used that box when I was on my mega squirt to trigger on-off clutch switch. On the Holly, I just left that pedal position sensor on and I just give the five volt signal to the Holly. And then I made a table in the Holly to uh, convert it to on-off. And then that's, the clutch switch so um i just have it all set up that way so doing that then you can you can change that engagement point of the switch based on the voltage correct correct yeah okay super adjustable okay. nice yeah that's great like i know um <clears throat> when i've been talking to kale what what he and i hope hopefully i was listening appropriately <laughs> um is that he wanted the rpm um limit released as soon as you, the fingers or the throw bearing was just coming off the fingers. So just as the clutch was fully engaged. So you wouldn't take a run at the clutch. Um, <clears throat> is that is that about where you have yours too? Or is it? Probably. Before? I haven't gotten that in depth into figuring that out yet. Um, yeah. I feel like probably the weakest part of my run right now is the whole on the two-step launching like when i'm racing like i need to figure out how to bump in right um i fought that and yes getting all of that said i think i probably have too much pedal stroke right now um just haven't had enough time to figure it out there's so, so much there hey? like so, it is so yeah. critical like your run can go <clears throat> so much different and and you're right i mean i don't bump in either like i uh I have a line lock on my steering wheel because I had it on my shifter for a while and then realized that I was uh, um, screwing things up with that. But um, so, yeah, I'll, I, I won't, I won't go wide open throttle until I light both, both beams and then I'll go and I can build enough boost in like two seconds that, uh, that usually I'm okay. But I was going to put a brake pressure switch in so that I knew how much front brake pressure I had, and then and then I could at least get a little bit more RPM and get closer to building boost. But it's pretty tricky because man, when you let the clutch out, it can bump you right through the line, and then you're screwed, right. right? So, Rich, you said something that I thought was different than you'd said before. So, Kale doesn't want you to take a run at the clutch. Is that right? Nope. <clears throat> he wants. He wants you to be on the rev limiter until the, and so I'm a mechanical throat. I'm not a, so I can, I can literally just take my return spring off and my pedal will go right to where the fingers or the throat touches the fingers. So right at that position is my understanding is where he wants you to release the, 
the two-step. So the clutch is fully engaged, and then uh, <clears throat> then it lets the RPM go. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, because I know in my setup, <clears throat> mine is set <clears throat> right when the pedal comes off the floor. And so if I set 4,000 on the two-step, it gets a thousand RPM run at the clutch. So it's really hitting the clutch at 5,000 and then, and I don't run an adjustable clutch, but then the clutch controller is working on it at that point. So it's, it is taking a run at it. It's interesting. Yeah. You really scared me though, Chad, letting me know that, <clears throat> that the 790 was the first time. So I'm, I'm guessing as you get that, that whole ordeal position, you'll knock a couple of tents off right off the bat when you get more. Yeah, get that figured out and i was scared to turn it up much more than i had it but i won't be that scared now in florida so hopefully with some extra power and getting the short track figured out it'll be good yeah short track is so key it's it's crazy because you think about just throwing the throwing the power to it in fourth gear it makes so little difference on the et it's so much right. short track yeah 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 it's crazy and you had to make a squirt on it before did you and then you I just did. switched to holly <clears throat> I just didn't have enough inputs and outputs. There were things that the Holly could do that the Mega Squirt couldn't, so I switched over. Yeah, I'm still running Mega Squirt on mine. Um, but yeah, so I'm. I was thinking about adding an input speed sensor too. I know that uh, <clears throat> Tech Performance offers that, um, but I'm kind of a farmer and a long ways away from them. So I might have a look and see if I can figure it out too. But I actually really just messaged Kale about his opinion and ways of doing that. And he told me to message him tomorrow. So I'm going to get with him to see how he suggests to do it. Otherwise I'm going to make a reluctor that bolts onto my input shaft and go from there. I think you could, use... but the vet's a little bit different than how everything else is set up. Do you, so do you think you could use the, uh, the face plates to do it? I know the, I, th yep. I thought about that too. Yeah. I have... Right now. You wouldn't quite have the, um, the resolution that you want with like a reluctor wheel, but I don't know that you need it. Yeah, I, no. I think you're probably right. I think that's how Jonathan, I think that's how Tick does it. Like I figured by looking at, at the picture, yeah, that that's what they're picking up is something on the gear. Yeah, mm. that would make, I think that would make sense. <clears throat> but, um, sorry, Bill, I cut you off. Let's go to chassis now. <laughs> yeah, so, <clears throat> and again, I have... I have not yet made the jump to uh, radials, although I have a brand new set on wheels in my garage, ready to go. <laughs> um, but what what's the difference in the shock setup in the rear and the front, I guess, when you make the switch from a bias ply to a radial? So I'm still a little foggy on this. I, man, it was so long ago when I switched. Um, I don't even remember what we do. Obviously, an IRS car squats, there's no extension. So mm. we just tried to control that, um, get the front up as fast as we could. And, and I haven't even really played in, like I drive home, I got like a 30 mile drive home. And I think about that, like I haven't touched my shocks in like two years, right? Like <laughs> I should probably still go out and there's probably, you know, hundreds to be made just in, in getting that better. But well, I just I don't at, ever get yeah. erased it enough. Yeah, I look at um, one of the most recent videos that Garrett did of Leroy at the track, and he launched it, and it spun, and they stopped and backed it up, and <clears throat> and I forget who his guy is that does the chassis stuff, but he literally changed like a couple of clicks on the shocks, and then it left perfect the next pass. Like, yeah, 
it was that it was that simple i was just like man i i wish i wish i knew what was he changing compression rebound a little of both like what exactly was he doing was it hitting the tire too <clears throat> was it you know coming down too I'm fast i'm guessing the front was coming up too too fast i think they slowed the front down is what they did <clears throat> okay cuz when the front comes up fast and then it stop it tops out it'll unsettle the whole chassis correct yeah yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, now, do you have a lot of front end travel in that Corvette? Um, not a lot, and I have shock sensors that I was gonna get put on it, and then I ran out of time before race week, so they're still sitting in a box. But, um, it's got—I don't know if I had to guess—probably six inches of travel, maybe. Ooh, that's a lot. So it's, it's... Yeah, it's not horrible, but it's not compared to some of the stuff that you see. But <clears throat> yeah, and Sam, yeah. on the other end of the spectrum, I have a Mustang <clears throat> two set up in my car. It's very limited on front end travel. Um, but, you know, I think about when you see these really high powered cars racing, they have little to no front end travel going on. Um, right. Whereas a lower powered car, especially in a no prep, I mean, geez, they have like the Baja freaking shocks on the front end. And it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's like, how do they even see down the track when it's that high? But um, <clears throat> I, I need to figure out how to make that work on mine. Um, but I think the hit of the, the hit of the clutch initially is going to be the biggest make or break with the radial versus a slick. It's got to be. For sure. hundred percent. If yeah. you're soft on it, it'll, it'll work. I don't feel I ever could have ran a radial with my diaphragm clutch. It was just so violent. Like I had to have the slick on it to make it even try to work. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so the suspension on, so do you know what your anti-squad is or anything on that car? You really don't have the ability to change. I don't change even know how you plot that on an IRS car, to be honest with you. Yeah, I, I don't either. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I know I did a bunch of measuring and talking to a bunch of guys with GMA bodies in order to figure mine out. And um, shit, the first time out, I, I was super happy. Like I basically tightened the front right up, full, full tight on compression and almost full tight on extension but like three clicks from full and then in the back i tightened the compression right up so it wouldn't bounce the tire off the ground and it went about 50 percent on the shock setting so it would drive into the ground and then not come back and i was amazed at how well it worked <clears throat> where are you at for anti-squat 144 percent okay talk about that I, I don't even know what you mean when you say anti-squat and i sound so dumb but explain that please and I yeah, I mean, me. yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Rich. No, no, you go ahead. You probably can explain it way better. No, than I was me. just going to say, anti squad, the easiest thing is is below 100 when you launch, the rear end's going to go up in the car. The back of the car is going to squat. And above 100%, it's going to separate and you're going to use geometry basically of this of the suspension to push the tire into the track. That's how radial cars, if you watch like radial versus the world, they extend. I mean, that's how they're able to go as fast as they do on a 275, you know, just they're using yeah. so much force pushing the tire into the ground to help keep it planted. Yeah, Jonathan's is probably the best example of that. Like that thing was oh. like, you oh, saw him gosh. go by Garrett or yeah, with it. Beside Garrett and his ass ends way up in the air and just driving that tire into the ground. And yeah. Garrett's latest videos of Leroy show really good on how it extends as it's going down the track. Like you can just watch it from the back. Yeah. You know, gain five inches or whatever. Yeah, it is super cool. Like when it's the video of him, you can see the tire right over his shoulder. It's great. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Okay. Um 
So, Ernie Squat. So, you've had that clutch in that car for two years? Um, Two years, maybe. Two years, yeah, two years. So, it's the first time you've had it freshened up? No, second time. Oh, okay. And that's I, a six-finger six deal, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, you must have the same next, next gen as I do? Is that what yours is, or is yours the Defiant? No, it's next gen. Okay, yeah, same one. Same one I'm running then. Nice. Um, talk to us. Yeah. Talk to us about horsepower wars. Horsepower oh, yeah. wars was interesting. <laughs> so it was so weird. I was sitting like I am today, watching YouTube a couple years ago, and I stumbled on horsepower wars the first season, and I watch it, and I'm like man, this is freaking awesome. And then I happened to see that season two is coming up and they're taking applicants. So I messaged Joey Heichel and he's like, dude, it's crazy that you even say that. Joe just talked to me about wanting to do that. And I'm like, freaking awesome. So we got a team together and submitted our videos and uh, turned out that they were using the internet to choose the third team. You had to vote. And so we used... Uh, Kyle Loftus was awesome about uh, putting stuff out on 1320 video. Garrett put some mentions out on his page to vote for Midwest Mayhem. So I think we crushed it. I think we had like 70% of the vote. So that was pretty <laughs> awesome to, to get into that. So um, the experience itself is good and bad. So the concept of the show is awesome, right? Build this car, 10 grand. You get there and it turns into... You know, what's going to be best for production? What's going to video well? Um, you know, they didn't really show the technical stuff of building the car, which was kind of a bummer. So that kind of sucked. But the experience of doing it with the guys, the people that I got to meet um, was just amazing. And then, of course, now that Joe's gone, having that experience with Joe, like it's something that'll never be forgotten, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, it, I uh, I just recently watched him, and I because I didn't realize you were on there, and it it it's such a it is kind of a small world, all uh, the car guys, and I'm like watching, right. like that's Chad on there, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and how yeah, did you it guys was a good do? time. It was it was fun. We you know we killed it during the build. We were the only team that really was ready to go. We were ready on like day eight. Um, then the fire happened, and oh, right. it destroyed it destroyed the whole makeup of the whole show they all got to rebuild their cars um the production team fixed one of the cars like like it was just yeah i don't know how much of it i should talk about but it was <laughs> we got to the racetrack in georgia and it wasn't really about competing anymore with joe gone it was about just getting down the track but we sucked we went out there and knocked the tires off first round and that's all she wrote um Luckily, with the fire going on, we made the deal with production that everybody got to keep their car. So we have Junkyard Dog. It's at Joey's house. Um, it's been fighting us for years, but we try to get it out whenever we can. Yeah. Well, and yeah, there's some cool cars come out of that. I, I don't have oh, a shirt yeah. for you, but yeah, but no, I mean, for sure. Your money. I mean, he's still uh, out there kicking is... ass in that car, you know? It is. Yeah. Yeah, it was at PRI. I think the first time I went to PRI, it was there, and I didn't really know much about it. And then I watched the show, and but yeah, some pretty cool, pretty it's cool. Funny, you know, like I watched season one, and I'm like, you know, 
Lyle's an asshole. Like I watched the thing. And I'm like, he's just a dick, you know? And then you get there and you meet him and he's like <laughs> such a sincere, nice guy, but has yeah. this persona that like, you know, like you can tell when the camera's on him, just awesome people, just awesome people all around. The Aussies were awesome guys. Like it was just cool to meet people in the field that you normally wouldn't get to meet. Yeah, <clears throat> totally. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I mean, I, uh, I watched, I had COVID, so I was on the couch, and I'm like, I don't know. Watch something to do. Videos. Yeah. <laughs> it's about the only time guys like us actually sit long enough to actually watch shows like that. So Right. It's not all, COVID's not all bad. <laughs> <laughs> the best part The best part in Colorado was the, uh, I call it the COVID Autobahn. I mean, there was no one on the roads. Nice. <laughs> I remember going into Denver one day to work, and there was three, me and two other people on the road, and uh, – it's quite possible we saw triple digits on our speedometers for quite a while. <laughs> that's right. Nothing you'll ever see again, right? No. As far as the people on the road. That's right. That's right. It was awesome. So, but uh, yeah. Another, another uh, one that we missed. Do you have a G meter on your car? Um, I do not. I need to get it on there. I have the G meter. I So before race week 2.0, man, with putting the chassis in it and then getting the motor back in, putting the Holly on, like I was on the dyno the night before we left. Like I just, Ooh. I ran out of time getting stuff done. So, and I didn't even think we were going to go. I, I heard it on the dyno and we went anyway. So, so I was pretty happy to run a seven on a hurt motor. Wow. What did you do to it? So I put the Holly on and I wired it with the eight main injectors and then used four outputs to drive the other eight injectors. And I didn't know as I was dynoing and, and turning the boost up, everything looked good. Everything looked good. Uh, I think it was the first time I got to like 22 or 23 pounds. So I started pulling the spark plugs to check them, pulled the plugs. I get to number seven and the straps gone. And I'm like, uh-oh. I mean, other, the other plugs looked perfect, you know, like, like didn't even have timing mark on them. Get to that straps gone. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> So as I'm pulling plugs out, I'm like, I wonder what number four is going to look like. Cause that's the companion. Those two injectors are on the same injector driver. So I get to number four and the strap's gone and the porcelain's broke. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. So I'm freaking out. So I pull the rest of the plugs. They all look <laughs> beautiful. Do a compression check. And number four is down like 35 pounds. My dad had just left uh, oh, no. home driving. So I call him. I'm like, I don't even know if we're going to get a go. Like, he says, well, I'm already driving. I'm just going to come and we'll hang out for the week. I'm like, all right. So took like an hour off, ate some lunch, came back, took the rockers off so I could check the valves to make sure I didn't tulip any valves. And they were all still good. Did another compression check and it was better. It was only like 25 pounds down. <laughs> Put my borescope in and I could see the top of the piston was just beat to hell from the porcelain. From the porcelain, yeah. But I'm like, screw it. We'll... It's making whatever. So I put it back together, did another run on the dyno, made the same power that it did. Sorry. I switched the, in all of that, I switched the wiring back over to all 16 controlled at once. So during drive mode now, I have a connector I have to unplug to, to disable the other eight injectors. But changed that wiring, did another pull, power was fine. So I finished doing that and we loaded it in the trailer and headed to Oklahoma. So and I was kind of stressed the whole week about pushing it too hard with that piston like that. But And you won. And I won, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two years in a row. Yeah. And so right. 
So 2021 was the first one that you finished. Correct. Yeah. And really, I went into that one, one runs eight at every track. Didn't expect that I was going to turn it up that much. And then it just, it did. So it was running eights, like 860, I want to say. And we got to the last day. I ran my 860 that I could turn in and uh, called Joey Heichel. And we just started talking about what I should try. And so I pulled the plugs and they looked really good. I'm like, I'm going to add a couple degrees of timing and five PSI at dome pressure. So I added two degrees, five PSI a dome, went back out and ran uh, 820. Like it picked up like 12 mile an hour. Like it was nuts. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. So I gave it another five PSI dome and that's when it went 809. Yeah. And it just blew me away. Like, like I didn't think that I could have a seven second stick car, you know, but then it did that. And I'm like, holy shit. We're, so, and that turbo got it quite a bit left. So. And that, that made the difference between you beating Garrett and not, right? It did, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I remember uh, <clears throat> I remember looking at the standings and I'm like, who's this Chad guy running 880s? <laughs> like, where where is this guy in the pits? Like, <laughs> you that came out of nowhere. To, yeah, that's when like. I had that conversation too. He's like, he's over there. <laughs> like, what, who is this guy? <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. <laughs> That's so cool. Especially for the first one that you finished, you beat. Uh, oh yeah, it was it was amazing, cool. and it was it was months after my mom died, so it was it was super emotional time for sure. Oh wow, nice, nice. Yeah, and I mean Garrett, like he had been seven sixties or something in, in Leroy, right? But just couldn't couldn't make it happen just at the do track. It on a drag and drive, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. so he struggled. Like he was, um, yeah. All I knew is I wasn't catching either of you, but I was staying ahead of somebody else. <laughs> Who was that? <laughs> <laughs> now, now it's flipped around this year, Rich. I'm trying to catch up with you. Well, yeah. I have my Florida trip. Well, I'll, I'll, it'll give me some time to try to dial in the radials for sure. And um, yeah. so, so I would like thing, to get closer. Yeah. One thing we neglected in the last podcast, we talked about Oklahoma and all the carnage you had, uh, you broke your transmission, broke your rear end, and our, our buddy Trevor blew up his motor. Um, <clears throat> but what we forgot to talk about is when I got there, um, and we got the car turned over, and I went to go adjust the front shocks. I looked up, and like the whole frame on the front of the car was broken. Hey, those pictures <laughs> like, were crazy. What? <clears throat> and fortunately, I had a buddy, Travis Cannon, has a shop. It was only about six miles from the track, and we ran the car down there and we C clamped everything to get the crack, you know, to where you couldn't even see it. And he welded it back up and came back to the track and made a pass or two or three. I don't, you know, just, I made enough passes to lose and, <laughs> <laughs> and that was it. But yeah, it was, uh, yeah, we had, uh, we had a bit of carnage between the three of us that, that weekend. It was pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and Chad, did you see what I broke in my transmission? Um, I don't think so. I don't know. Because I've got the, uh, I don't know if it's too bright there. It's, it's weird it's, to see what it is. It's because of your background, Rich, that it's having yeah, problems. I'm going to turn the background <laughs> off. But it's it's basically, you're running a G-Force transmission too? Yep. So in the G-Force, the 3-4, um, I think is billet steel. <clears throat> but G-Force, when I had mine built, and I think when Bill had his built originally, they uh, Tick wasn't making the, the billet. Um, one two uh fork, fork. fork yeah. 
So I'm running, I was running a stock one. So that's actually what broke and, and uh, not the fork itself, but the little tab that rides on the knuckle. And when you break that piece, um, you can turn your manual transmission into a trans brake. <laughs> oh, yeah, real quick, in, I bet. You can put it in two gears at once. And so that's that's what happened to mine. And uh, that's what, you know, stopped the drive shaft, broke the rear end. Um, but needless to say, uh, the tick performance parts are going to be here uh, this week. So awesome. I'll put it, but it's something to keep an eye on because Bill, the reason Bill upgraded was he cracked his right in the same place. If I can get rid of my screen, I'll, I'll try to show you the picture, but, um, I could actually go grab the part that's cracked. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, if it matters. <laughs> Cause if that's you're... good to know, like mine's out in a part right now, maybe I All should right. just, I'll go grab it. Hold on. Yeah. Call Jonathan it, it... and get those ordered. Yeah. And you, and I think if you look, you'll find that your uh, three, four is billet. Um, but your one, two is stock aluminum with a, and it's a very distinct piece because they, a Tremec heat treats it. And you can see where mine broke is like where the thinnest heat treating is. <laughs> oh, right. And uh, yeah, it ends your day really quick. I mean, I had a spare transmission and a spare nine inch uh, spare U joints. I didn't have a spare drive shaft. So I was a little shocked when they were kicking it off the racetrack. But uh, <laughs> thankfully, it was still in one piece. But yeah, Bill's going to show you. So it says cracked. And if you can see, this part here, Rich broke this end, this end clean off. Yeah. And no I don't kidding. think you're going to be able to see it here. Oh, you can. Yeah. There's right. a crack right there. Yeah, you can see it. Right in the top. It's cracked. And Rich's eagle eye actually picked that out when we were, we had to tear my transmission <laughs> down for something. And then we had to rob it out of another transmission that I had here. But <laughs> uh, yeah, now I have uh, one of the tick ones. And it's, it's actually really nice because... You know, this stock one, it has shift pads here and here. The tick one has a third one here, and it's a pretty oh, nice. nice, super nice piece. Um, and this, I don't know what you call this piece here, but this is like cast into the stock one, and on the tick one, it comes out. Interesting. That's called a weekend ender right there. Oh, the weekender, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the weekender. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a good it, it's a good idea to check that out while you got your transmission apart because... For sure. That will, uh, yeah, it works. Good are you guys running? Are you guys running spray bars and stuff? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're both running his front plate. <clears throat> no, they don't make gotcha. one for the Corvette yet, do they? They don't. He was in the process of making one. We had chatted back and forth, and then the last time I talked to him, he said that they kind of abandoned it. He thought. So, so are I'm you... just in the. Yeah. I'm just in the process now of putting in a couple fittings to keep some oil because I had to end up putting a new. <laughs> fourth gear in it new counter shaft um some bearings and stuff so hopefully get some lube up there so for a and while it's, other than that it's just a stock yeah for for quite a while i ran um a liberty face plated t56 magnum with stock case well they're all stock case but the stock stock front plate and the magnum has i don't know about the corvette one because i'm not super familiar but the regular ones they're already drilled and tapped for those lines you just take the plugs out and I had a gotcha. sprayer. I had a sprayer on that, and I had zero problems with it. I mean, it's not nearly as fancy as the spray bar deal, but it was. You figure when everything's going and you got lube spraying in there, it's going. You would assume everywhere, but right, that, that worked right. pretty well. That worked pretty well. I have a little, a little video on my uh, YouTube page where because I was playing with different orifice sizes for that sprayer, 
And what I ended up being was the perfect, it was just weird. The perfect size ended up being, you know, the little ferrule that's on a brake line that yep. you always forget to put on when you flare the brake line. Right. <laughs> so one of those threaded perfectly into the, the fitting and that orifice ended up being like the perfect size. Like that worked really Interesting. well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's bigger know. than I thought it would have been. I think I just drilled mine to like 45 thousandths or something. So I'll have to maybe open that up. Yeah. And I did different sizes. If you, if you go to that video, it, it, uh, it shows it on there kind of, and, okay. and I, I did I remember with, watching that video. I'll have to go back and look. Yeah. I did it with gasoline uh, because I figured when the fluid was pretty hot, it's going to be a lot thinner than when it's cold. Right. But, but probably not as thin as gasoline. So it was somewhere in the middle, but I mean, if the pump is moving volume, uh, you want it spraying and it was spraying, but you also want to try to get as much volume in there as possible. So for sure, find that middle ground. That's what I came up with. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have any spray. You don't have pump at all from the back to the front right now. No, no. Wow. Yeah. It'll, it'll give you some more longevity for sure. Yeah. Definitely. <clears throat> I know Bill and I both like, I turn mine on at like 2,500 RPM. So it's not on in the street. It literally only runs at the track. Gotcha. Um, yeah. That's what I was planning on doing with what I was adding. Yeah. Mine, yeah. mine comes on at 3,500. So when I'm on the two-step on the starting line, it's already spraying. Gotcha. Gets a head start. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and for those listening that don't know, how fast, what was the ET and mile an hour and 60 foot on your end eighth mile? Might as well give us the whole darn time slip on that pass um, if you remember. God, let me look it up to get all the specifics. So I want to say that it was... Uh, I probably have for, a picture of it too. I bet he's looking for a picture. You probably do. And Rich, you're like quick draw with finding pictures on your phone. <laughs> I don't even know where I put it, to be honest with you. It was 794, 178, uh, 131, 60 foot. Man. And uh, God, it was a 526 or something. Oh, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Which the run the run right before that, when I hit my boost cut, probably would have been like a 780 or something. It was a one, it was a 519 eighth. <laughs> it was, it was cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Those, wow. those are the passes that never come together all the way <laughs> or very right. rarely. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's awesome. And it's crazy that it goes like, I think it went like 8003 at 160. So it was like, 24 mile an hour down but like you were saying earlier you know because it just reverted to wastegate like in fourth gear yeah so it lost a ton of mile an hour but it didn't lose much et you know so it's just it's crazy how that works sometimes but yeah yeah definitely so what um, else is going on and and i think i might have seen a youtube video with you and some silver camaro or something too so you have a couple I have of a, cars i have a uh big tire camaro yeah that i built last year that was kind of my therapy car for building when my mom died i yep. went yep. and bought that and just sat in here over the winter and built it it was pretty fun when i originally nice. got it i had thoughts about putting a stick in it okay but i called jonathan well, i didn't call him I, I messaged him and i said what can we do h pattern stick shift but like, do they make good cases for me? He says, no, they're all pretty much stock case now because that car, you know, it's open training. Um, so that kind of killed that. But because I was just thinking it was a light 
super light car. It would be fun with stick shift because I'm so used to my heavy Corvette, but nothing compared to what you guys run with heavy stuff. But yeah, it is interesting. I don't see, <clears throat> except for Jonathan, when he painted the whole underside of his car blue, I don't, I'm not really aware of case failures on those things. Is that being a weak point? Are you guys? No, I haven't seen it either, but when it's right next to your legs and open there, oh, it's yeah. scary, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because, you know, like right now, it's got a Turbo 400 with a reed case, and it's just, like, if you watch Street Outlaws, all their stuff, the, the training's just there, you know? Yeah. There's no housing over it at all. Yeah, yeah. So, and I've had one tranny blow up on me in my life, and that was scary. Oof. So, we, yeah. we, have, we have a couple of questions here from audience, and these will be... Uh, people from stick shift nation um so what is the combination of beater bomb and how fast has it gone <laughs> anything that comes to the beater bomb my lips are sealed on you'll have to call joey for that <laughs> <laughs> okay. i learned my lesson long ago on that car <clears throat> okay um, zip is the word okay so uh what features does a holly have that the mega squirt didn't and i think you answered this it was just the volume of inputs and outputs yep Yep, just volume inputs and outputs. The the closed loop on Holly I feel is superior to Mega Squirt just on how fast it can react. Mm -hmm. Um, but Mega Squirt is an awesome ECU. I still sell them. I still work on them. It's just dependent on what the person wants, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, the Holly can do more. There's more stuff that you can do yourself. Like you can make advanced tables and stuff. Um, it's just all harder to do with a Mega Squirt. Okay. Rich, you want to go for the last one there? Yeah. Do you, do you do anything to build boost on the line? Do you pull timing? Um, I've all tried right. it all, but kind of like you were saying, um, surprisingly with the 102 Turbo, it builds boost really fast. So I don't really have any boost building strategies that I use all the time because it doesn't need it. I just get on the two-step um, and let it do its thing. Do you know what the timing is when you're on the two-step? Does it go um, down? Like I would have to look. Ago? I want to say, I don't know, 14 or 15 maybe. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. Interesting. <clears throat> so I know mine's five degrees and I changed uh, my buddy Ted's to five degrees and now he scares children. And now what yeah, do you do? I was much more aggressive with the mega squirt. I think I was at zero. Oh, yeah. Um. And... It's awesome. People love it. Like, you know, it's noisy, <laughs> but it's super hard. My, my exhaust is aluminum and the two-step always breaks the, the mounting points on them off. So I was trying to tame it down so I wouldn't have to re-weld those all the time. <laughs> I guess I might need to check into that because I recently got that working on my car and I'm actually at minus five degrees and it's a full exhaust and it's blasting flames out the very back. Oh yeah. But if that's pretty awesome. aggressive on aluminum, I may need to maybe take a little bit out of there. <laughs> so Chad, who's, <clears throat> okay. who's going with you on uh sick week? Uh my wife is gonna go. Oh. Oh wow. She went with me on the first time we went, and then she stepped aside so my dad could go this year. So she'll go on sick week and then I'll see if my dad wants to go on two point next year. Awesome. Nice. And she enjoys it? Um she enjoyed it the first year, but I still had Corvette seats and all that in there. Oh, then right. now it's <laughs> it's race seats and and a carbon floor and no HVAC. So oh, yeah. we'll see. It still does have electric windows and all that good stuff. So it won't be horrible, but 
Nice. It is what it is. Yeah, were you making any changes to make it more streetable um, or comfortable? Maybe comfortable is the word. Because I know I, you and I chatted at 2.0 and you said that, you know, the latest mods to kind of lighten it up and to go probably to a 750 cert or... 6.0 cert. It's a 25.2. Oh, um, that made the car a little bit less streetable. That, would that be fair to say? It or made comfortable, it less comfortable. Less, less comfortable. Yeah. Um, so like the funny car hoop getting in makes it a pain getting in. But a lot of that is because I left the stock steering column and steering wheel in because I wanted it to be Corvette still. So you can't remove the wheel. It does have the tilt. So it tilts, uh, but it just makes it a little bit hard getting in because there's not as much space. And then it's definitely once you're in, it's not comfy leather Corvette seats, you know, but yeah, yeah. You're gonna have but to I did take it to a, I did take it to an all Corvette show. Like the week after we came back from race week, uh, they had the annual Corvette show here in town. So I drove it to that and I was worried, you know, some Corvette guys get pretty crazy when you have a car that's that modified. That's <laughs> only got 6,000 miles on it. You know, they're like, Oh my God, what did you do? But I think more people were impressed with it than were pissed off by it. So that's good. So, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, it's, it's legendary now in my mind. Like, oh, thank yeah. you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Totally. It's it's much like the um, Mustang Dino. It's just a it's a soul crusher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'm actually excited to see who's going to show up. Um, I think this the stick world's just taken off, right? So awesome. I know it's so cool. Yeah, when I went to Florida last year, I never dreamed that I would win. Like. And I think there was like 30, shit, there was 35 stick cars or something. Like it was, it was yeah. the second biggest or the biggest class at sick week. It was awesome. That's, awesome. That's so cool. Um, I was just lucky that you never showed up and some other, I mean, there's so many fast cars down in Florida. Like, I mean, Garrett was another example where he could have just came and walked all over me um, running eight O's and not pushing the car very, car very hard. Right. But yeah. That's why you. That's why you, you don't, uh, you know, try to find out who's going and not go because of that. Because just like you, I mean, you were close to breaking right before two point right? Like, right. It, it happens so quick. So anytime, yeah, absolutely. Got to finish it to win it. You know. So. Yep. Yep. Yeah. To all those people who think they're too slow to go and do one of these events, you're never too slow. I've seen some of the fastest classes get won by slow cars just due to attrition, and it For is sure. what it is, man. Well. Yeah, some of the smart guys, they actually sign up for outlaw class at race week, <laughs> banking on the fact the other guys won't finish, and sometimes it works to their advantage. Right. Yeah, totally. So so speaking of stick shift blowing up, have you heard about the Donald Long uh, lights out stick class? It's not. No? That's a thing? Yeah. I Just announced it today. He was throwing it. No kidding. Interesting. So that should be, yeah, I, I actually heard about it from Travis and Rich. I hadn't even heard about it before we jumped on here tonight. So do you know That'll more be awesome. about it? Yeah. Do you know more about it, Rich? No, he, he threw the teasers out. And then I know Jonathan Atkins uh, made a made a post or something there too. So it definitely looks like it's going to be an eighth mile H pattern uh, class. So nice. that's probably for all, you know, Chris Moore and, and uh Jonathan and you know a bunch of those guys. I mean, the top ten fastest stick cars now. I think the slowest one's ten seven thirty. <laughs> like it's ridiculous. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. It's nuts. 
just but, not right. But so should we, should we jump <laughs> just in the- general though with what yeah. cars can do now? You know, like back in '97 when I was drag racing, I had a Cutlass that ran 1090s and it was like fast, you know, and it was a full-on race car, like race gas trailer to the track, run gets hot, you know, you gotta let it cool down. Like it's just crazy this what we can do now with technology uh, it's just awesome what a time to be alive you know yeah totally. how fast was that car mike ellis ran 1090s yeah right <laughs> it's just crazy yeah I, I i don't know if i've told this story on here yet but uh that's my favorite thing to do is my track's about an hour away <laughs> and some some people from around this region uh they drive up to so I'll, I'll pass them to win their race car and then i'll go faster than them by quite a bit by and a lot, yeah. And then on the way home, I'll pass them again. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> awesome. And you can just see them, they're just shaking their head, thinking oh, that guy's crazy. Yep, it's crazy. That's right. That's right. But, yeah. <clears throat> so that's what you uh, do when you drive a stick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sixth gear is is awesome. Yeah. So uh Rich, should we jump into the TKO round? Yeah. Yeah. Do we need do we need to give him a little uh info on what that means? Uh, he probably figured it out, but we should give him a you know little info. All right. So so there's this really great company called Tremec, and they made a transmission called a TKO, and it's a five speed transmission. So we have five questions we're going to ask you that we ask every guest. So we'll call it the TKO round. Gotcha. Rich, you want to go first? Should we draw straws? Sure. What's the first car you owned slash modified? Uh, 1967 Firebird. Still have it. Really? It's cut up in pieces right now, but I still have it. Nice. Are you going to keep it Pontiac? 100%. I'm a Pontiac guy. I got a Pontiac tattoo on my back. Like, I'm Pontiac through and through. Really? Yeah. Oh, we're definitely friends, you and I. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so, we'll talk more about that later. Heck yeah. 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 So second gear, uh, what, in your opinion, has been the biggest technology change to move our sport forward? Um. EFI. Okay. Yep. Good answer. Yeah. Um, uh, survey says, yeah, no, that's right. So third, <laughs> third gear. So what's your day job? But you, you described that a bit, but uh, you're the owner and. I'm the owner of the shop Inc. Um, day job. I work seven days a week. It's hard as the owner to get stuff done when you also have to do stuff in the business. Right. So mainly what I do, it's estimates and all the dyno tuning. And I get so far behind on the tuning that I like to come in on the weekends when I can just leave the phone off and the door shut and get caught up on work. So um, the last year, I haven't done as much of that. I tried to focus on my car on the weekends, but now I'm back to trying to get caught up on work on the weekends. Um, but I love it too, right? Like it's not a job. When you love what you do, it's not a job. It's just come in and work on cool shit all day. So that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So fourth gear uh what influenced you to build your cars um that's a that's a good question um i would say you know right around the time that i got the corvette and doing stick shift was when i met garrett i was doing um the unicorn car for kyle loftus all stick shift stuff we had a really big stiff shit stick shift no prep class at my local track. Um, so that's probably what got me into keeping the stick and wanting to run the stick versus just going out and getting a small tire automatic car. Okay. Awesome. 
Okay, we're going to go into first overdrive here. So what, in your opinion, is the secrets to, to stick shift racing? I don't think it's, I think it's every racing, right? Just got to be prepared. Like I try to make sure I have all my eyes dotted, like just everything done that you think can be done. And then watch what the fast guys are doing. Like, I don't know how many times I watched Garrett's videos and Jonathan's videos, then texted Jonathan and called Garrett. Like if people have gone through it, learn from their mistakes, you know? Um, but if, if someone came up to me and said, I want to have a fast stick shift car, what do I need to have? I would say slipper clutch and face plated transmission because otherwise you just break parts. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so now we're going to jump to the other Tremec gearbox, which is the T56 and it has a sixth gear. So this is our sixth gear bonus round. What advice would you give to someone getting into this sport? Um, Just be realistic with what you want. Um, I talk to customers all the time. They come in and they either want to build beyond their means or progress into their means and end up spending four times as much money as they would spend. And if they just waited a year, sit out and just do it right the first time, like just do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's interesting you say that. Um, Cause I've talked to uh, lots of people that, you know, they're oh, going to get rid of the five speed. I'm going to go to a six speed, you know, and I'm like, dude, just get a face plated one right out of the gate. Just do it. Cause you're going to spend twice as much. Yep. And they get the synchro one and then it, it's cool because it doesn't break like the five speed did. But then, then not too long after that, then they're like, Oh, I think I'm going to build a face plated box. And it's just like, <laughs> you don't want to say I told you so, but right. Yeah. But just yeah. got to be realistic with what you want <laughs> and just, you know, be informed on what it is, do research. So you know what you're getting into because you can spend a lot of money on stuff you don't need. If you go about it wrong. Yeah. You know, I, I very... was the same way. Like, like I, I can make my stock training work and then ended up with faceplate of training. I can make this clutch work, ended up with slipper clutch. I can make non beadlocks work, end up with beadlocks. Like sometimes you just got to learn, admit that I was wrong. And yeah, it's funny when I first met rich, which would be drag week 2013 and I was following them. I kept, I, I had to ask him like, what, why does your transmission sound broken? Like every time you try this big bang, bang, he's like, Oh, it's faceplate. I'm like, what the heck is that? <laughs> and I was relatively new to the stick world, honestly, because I put a stick in my car to do drag week. And then he kind of educated me on it. And then it wasn't long after that, I destroyed the synchros in mine and got a face plate at TKO 600. And then when I made the jump to the T56, I went right out of the gate. I got a face plated box. Yeah. So, yeah. It's, it's just, just so night and day difference on how they work. It is. It is. And honestly, on the street, you double clutch it. It's no big deal to drive on the street. Right. I would agree. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I think your, your answer to number five there is so true. And I think uh, both Garrett and Jonathan said the same, like for anyone listening to this, who's thinking about um, making the step. I mean, all the stick guys are so reachable and uh, so friendly and we'll give you all the advice. And I mean, we haven't had one guest on here other than we talked well, talk about beater bomb. Um, where it's like, I can't tell you that, right? Like all the stick guys will give up all of their, all of their secrets and, uh, you know, any tips. Cause the reality is even when you have all that, there's still a steep learning curve to driving these things. Right. So, for sure. but I mean, I've had lots of people reach out even since we started doing this podcast, looking for advice 
And I'd say, uh, yeah, bring it on. Like we'll, we'll help anyone we can because we want more people in this fantastic sport. So hell yeah, I would agree. Yeah, definitely. Well, let me, uh, let me put a huge thanks out to stick shift nation for hosting the podcast. Um, you can now find clutch burners on not nine, but 10, 10 different platforms. Um, and if you'd like to see the clutch burners podcast continue to grow, head over to stickracing.com, grab a stick shift nation shirt, hat, or a sticker. And let me show you, I'm not wearing it tonight, but we do have these awesome clutch burner t-shirts on the back. And if you want one of these, we'll take some pre-orders for those and uh, get those going as well. Um, And also clutch burners uh, shirts will be live today. So if you, like I just said, if you want to grab one of those, uh, go to stickracing.com. And there's also a cyber Monday sale going on over there. Use the code stick Friday, 22. I think we'll put it in the podcast, like right there Um, before December 1st. And you will save a little bit on your order as well. So enough. And so people want to follow you, Chad, where can they follow you? Yeah. Give us all your goods. YouTube. Gosh, really? I'm only on Facebook to be honest. Um, Just my name, Chad Fegley. It's picture of me and my mom. You can always message me. Um, any question, anytime I answer that all the time, uh, not really on any other platform, really. What's your cell phone number and your credit card number? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, Chad, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. This has been fun. Yes. It's awesome. For sure. You have definitely expanded. Uh, it wasn't hard to expand my mind, but I learned something (laughs) for sure. So thank you. Yeah, and so stay on the line. We gotta, I gotta talk to you about uh, changing a GTR over to a um, LS swap or something. But uh, <laughs> yeah, stay, stay on the line for a sec. Awesome. All right, thanks a lot. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Thanks for All listening, right. everyone. Yep. Thank you. See you all later. <laughs>